So this is a Workers' Liberty public meeting organised by our North London branch. This is the last one in our series on state crime, socialism and policing. Um, when we set this up, we thought it would be a good idea, having started with what is the state, to do a sort of final session about how the state has changed somewhat since uh, we as Marxists might think about how the state came to be and what the capitalist state is. Um, at the time, when we talked about the current crisis, we meant the crisis of COVID-19, um, and which is obviously still ongoing across the world. Since then, we've obviously seen a big upsurge uh, since the Black Lives Matter movement and the killing of George Floyd with people questioning what the state does in other ways as well. So this probably be quite broad in terms of what might be discussed. Um, as always, if you haven't come to these things, the way it will work is uh, I'm going to chair the meeting. Uh, in this situation, Kate is going to speak. Uh, she has a presentation, so you'll see that on your screen as well. Or she does so, I think she'll speak for around 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Um, yeah, I'm mainly going to be talk. I'm mainly going to focus on COVID, um, but I do. I think that I want to see as much discussion as possible, um, um, and it can be quite broad, right? Uh, quite right, wide ranging. Um, so I'm going to start with some news articles that you met. You probably quite a lot of you've seen, um, but some of them are. Some of them might give you a giggle. Some of them are more serious. Um, just to kind of get us into thinking about how the state has acted in the in the current um, crisis, and then I'm going to kind of um, go on to some points about the contradictions and possibilities that I think the crisis can offer us as socialists. Um, so uh, that's my screen. I think everyone can see it, hopefully. Um, so uh, this, you may have seen that there was a, tw there was a Twitter, um, these, there was a, a tweet from South Yorkshire Police uh, going on and on about different people like having a walk in the countryside um and sort of moralizing about the evils of that not agreeing with it by any means um but it was quite comical in the sense of is is this really what you are going to spend your time doing um, um people may have remembered um may remember this uh tweet from cambridge police that caused quite a lot of um uh outrage and it led to the government having to clarify that, yes, you were allowed to buy Easter eggs and buying Easter eggs wasn't actually illegal. Um, this one was, I, I remember seeing this video of um, um, a guy in his garden being told that he wasn't allowed to stand in his front garden uh, and the police officer being extremely like moralising about it and kind of telling him off um, and them having to then apologise um, and to be fair, like, I think what it showed was um, how rushed a lot of things were um, in the government's approach, how um, the, uh, a lot of police forces were, like, very inconsistent in handling it. Um, you know, um, there was kind of very limited guidance um, and, and it was... And even the guidance that was there was being followed in kind of myriad different ways. Um, so this is more kind of um, 
these are the more kind of alarming slides. Um, so people have probably seen um, these kind of um, findings, you know, com comes from, come from coming from the uh, Met Police's own data. Um, so you're about, you're about twice as likely to um, be uh, arrested during lockdown if you were black um, and uh, black people were very disproportionately fined as well. Um, there's this uh, really interesting quote from, um, he kind of is now like a campaigner, um, but he was formerly a police officer, uh, Leroy Logan. And he said, I can't discount that these figures exhibit a racial bias because practically everything the Met does has a racial bias. The Met is institutionally racist and the use of COVID powers is part of this. So um, obviously the way that um, this crisis is being kind of um, uh, overseen and the way that it's been handled by different arms of the state, including the police, has had a lot of horrendous consequences, um, particularly for, you know, uh, working class people and particularly as well for um, people of colour. Um, there was kind of near the, just at the start really of the um, lockdown, there was um, an eviction that the uh, police in Brighton um, attended, arguably took part in, um, where some very clinically vulnerable people were, were actually evicted from, from uh, an empty pub, um, sort of not really doing anyone any harm, just keeping them to themselves. Um, and um, I've noticed this actually when I walk around, I live in Wood Green and um, I, no I noticed that um, a few weeks into the lockdown, um, I could, there was a lot less visible street homelessness. Um, and there were a lot of articles that you've probably seen published about the fact that the, uh, it was called the everyone in scheme um, which pretty much um, ended at least 90% of street homelessness overnight and it only cost uh, £3.2 billion, which is pretty, um, really quite a small amount. Um, um, and that's, you know, it, even if you consider like all of the effects of austerity and everything, I think it's not too much to ask that we just house people and, you know, <laughs> help them get treatment if they um if they need it and it's, it's really really kind of showed that it's not actually that difficult for them to solve this problem um so this kind of leads me on into talking about some of the contradictions of the, the current crisis so as we all know um uh, we were strongly advised to stay to stay at home and work from home if we could but there was never a point at which non-essential work was stopped. Uh, that, um, there was never a point at which employers were told that they couldn't bring in their employees. Um, so essentially, if your employer was still expecting you in, unless you were sort of shielding, you had to, you had to just do it. You had to just go. And it, 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 will, it must have led to thousands of more deaths um, simply due to the fact that people were having to travel around more um, we're having to come into contact with more people and all of that. Um, 
so that's a major contradiction. Um, there obviously were mortgage holidays, but not rent holidays for those of us that rent. Um, the, there's kind of a huge crisis in care homes. A lot has been written about, and there've been some really interesting programs about this. I listened to one on um, BBC World Service, um, and it kind of showed the how much, how how little the government had thought about care homes how little they had planned for um, for uh, kind of dealing with the crisis in care homes, how they'd thought about the reality of what it would be like um, for care workers and the people they care for. Um, so um, that was quite a major thing. And also as well, the, the, the fact that there were so many um, agency uh, care workers who you know go, go into people's homes and work who were just basically offered nothing um, and for a, for a while it looked like they wouldn't even be getting um, proper sick pay um, but that um, there were kind of concessions won on that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a school worker, I'm a teacher and um, what we've seen is that a, a kind of strong rush to try and get kids back in um, and there's been a sort of line peddled that it's all about their welfare, but it seems that the real priorities is not trying to get vulnerable stu students back in or students who don't have internet access at home, for example. It's actually about getting students in who are really young, you know, in primary, who therefore their parents can go and work, um, or about getting in... Uh, in secondary, which is what I work in, getting in your 10s and 12s so that we can prepare them for the, um, you know, extremely important tests that they have to do at all costs. Um, so that's a, a contradiction that's been shown, I think, particularly as, you know, it was obviously possible to cancel tests. There's no need for them, I don't think, um, in the way that they're done currently. Um, and it's a culture that is incredibly damaging to young people's mental health and needs to end. Um, full sick pay was always possible and it's something that we should continue to demand. A much stronger benefit system was always possible and the, the, government, the government schemes, even with all their inadequacies, showed that it's possible to spend money to look after people, um, it's possible to borrow money and it's possible to tax the rich as well. Um, it showed who the kind of real essential workers that keep the country going are, people who work in health, food, care, transport, logistics, education, um, not to kind of um, discount like other, other workers, but it kind of showed how important some of those jobs are, whereas um, nothing, you know, nothing collapsed due to rich people staying home and having to... Uh, to their own kids um it was it was the people who do all of those kind of services um who who we rely on and a lot of those people are oft, uh, migrants um, particularly in logistics and and care and health as well um there was an obvious uh contradiction in people being condemned for going on protests 
Black, Black Lives Matter, but also at the same time being told that they have to go back to work. And then soon after being told that they might be able to have a holiday in Spain. It makes no sense. Um, it showed the bizarreness of the way the pharmaceutical industry works and how illogical capitalism in, is in this regard that we should be working together to end pandemics and health crises, um, not to patent medication. Um, I think the more kind of silly articles that I should maybe showed at the start, but also the more kind of stark statistics about um, the policing of uh, black people particularly um, shows this, like who do, who do the police think they are? What do they think they're doing? And why, why do they exist? What are they for? Um, I think the way that they handled this crisis, I think it has probably had an effect on the Black Lives Matter movement in the UK. Um, because the way that they policed it bluntly was racist. And also, um, I think it shows that they are in some ways very, um, very not, uh, not very useful, not very useful even even in the things that they're meant to do um, properly. And then there's also this kind of sudden interest in the attainment gap in schools and in child poverty. And in, you know, we have to get all of the children back in immediately, um, but only in these year groups. And I've explained already why those specific year groups maybe were the first two that they wanted to bring in. Um, and, um, Child poverty has been getting consistently worse for um, a couple of decades, basically, um, or at least since the last Labour government. And there's not been that much interest shown before. So it's only kind of, they've started showing an interest um, basically to bash school workers. Um, so those are the, some of the contradictions. And then in terms of possibilities, I won't, talk for much longer because I've mentioned some of these already but I think these are kind of based on um, workers liberties demands about the COVID-19 crisis which I'd recommend having a look at on our website but essentially requisitioning private sector healthcare beds and I've not mentioned there but pharmaceuticals as well um, you know ending street homelessness significantly reducing housing insecurity is actually not that hard um, proper sick pay and a proper welfare system doesn't, um, it's, it's, the money is there, you know, um, an end to high stakes testing in schools, because actually we, a lot of the time, um, we can, uh, like education professionals can provide um, judgments about uh, how students are doing, but also like what, what are those exams for exactly? Like, why are they so necessary? Um, as I said, who really keeps the country going? Like, I think it, we should try to um, make propaganda around how, how important the contribution of migrants is, particularly in the health and care sectors. Um, we should be arguing for pay rises to scrap uh, racist policies such as no recourse to public funds um, and yeah um, publicly funded medical research for public good 
lots of labs have been turned over uh, into um, research facilities um, and testing labs and things like that. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that I think that should happen to university labs at all, but I'm just but I do think that there's a much bigger role that the state could and should play in funding medical research after this crisis too. Uh, and finally, emptying prisons of nonviolent criminals. So we've we talked a bit about prisons in our session on prisons, but um, roughly 69% of women in prison haven't committed an, a, a violent crime. And a lot of male prisoners haven't committed violent crimes either. Um, the, the prison system is very, very racist. Um, and uh, there, uh, there, there was a kind of COVID-related crisis in prisons where, um, you know, the conditions were either meaning that they were keeping prisoners in solid and kind of um, separate for longer and only allowing very, very short breaks, which is incredibly bad for their physical and mental health. Or um, they were just were kind of allowing COVID to kind of run rampant. And there's just no need to have this many prisoners. Like we are, we have more prisoners than um, per head of the population than any other country in Western Europe. It's just obscene. Um, and I think that that would have, I think emptying prisons of nonviolent criminals is, would save money and um, be better for everybody. Um, so those are some possibilities.